Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Seeking justice. Today's passage is really about persistence. Persistence is admired because it demonstrates commitment to an ideal. Such strong commitments can whittle away at the most stubborn obstacles until eventually the goal is achieved or the mark is made. The persistent desire to live shows up in plants that find an amazing way to thrive in small cracks in the pavement or in trees that grow in little patches of dirt on the side of a mountain in the rock crevices. The persistent flow of water across a rock can result in the formation of, of deep and huge ravines and canyons. And of course, the person who demonstrates persistence in their life serve as an inspiration when that goal that they're searching for is eventually achieved. One example of this we see in the movie called Rudy. It's a story based on a, a Notre Dame student athlete named Daniel Eugene Rudy Rutiger. He grew up uh, wanting to play for the Notre Dame football team. Despite having poor grades and insufficient finances and a relatively small body build, Rudy wasn't even accepted as a student at Notre Dame, Notre Dame upon completion of high school. But he was determined. He decided to enroll in a smaller college, Holy Cross at first, where he was able to improve his grades, identify the issues that he had with dyslexia, and build friendships with people who could help him achieve his goals. After being rejected three times for admittance to Notre Dame, Rudy was eventually accepted and he immediately tried out for the football team. Rudy was eventually the, uh, he tried out for the football. Although he lacked the physical attributes of a major college football player, Rudy showed promise because of his enthusiasm and was given a position on the practice squad. Although he worked hard every season, it wasn't until the final game of his senior year that Rudy was given an opportunity to dress with the team and to play an official game against Georgia. In the fourth quarter, when Notre Dame had a nice, comfortable lead, Rudy was finally allowed to go into the game and play a couple of downs. Now, this gave him the honor that he had been diligently seeking all his young life for several years at least, to become an official member of the Fighting Irish roster. So his persistence did pay off. And the challenges that he experienced over the years while he was seeking it made his success all the more worthwhile. In our passage today, we read of a parable that Jesus told to his disciples that reflected on the importance of persistence in prayer and faith. He told them about a judge in a, in a certain city who neither feared God nor respected people. Based on this description, we know right away that there's going to be problems with this judge. Scripture describes the importance of fearing God many times and warns of dire consequences when one doesn't fear God. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 states, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in verse 50 of the first chapter of Luke's Gospel, Jesus' mother, Mary, 
exclaims that God's mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, some don't like the idea of fearing God because God is a source of love. Love can't be based on fear. But I think this fear often really describes, that we hear about in Scripture, is more about a fear that we have of ourselves than God. God is not rash, radically changing his mood and acting on whims. But if we ignore the will of God and mistreat people and abuse the authority that we've been given, Scripture tells us that we should fear the consequences of our behavior. In that case, a healthy fear of God does make sense. In chapter 12 of Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells his followers not to be afraid of the people who were persecuting them, but instead have a healthy fear of God so that we'll follow God's will even when society's authority figures make the mistake of leading us down an unjust path. Having a healthy fear of God that motivates us to do what is right is important. But this judge described by Jesus in the parable is said to have no fear of God. Not only that, but the judge doesn't have any respect for people. This is also an important characterization because it points to the kind of selfishness that we can exhibit when we are placed in positions of authority. When there is no concern for the welfare of the people being led, authorities are more likely to fall into traps of self-centeredness. Injustices are overlooked and trust is lost. Clearly, this is not the kind of judge we would vote to retain next November. The parable also describes now a poor widow who had to unfortunately depend upon this judge to deliver her from an accuser. The widows in the first century had very little power. They had limitations on property ownership, and they could easily end up impoverished, even if they were previously married into a relatively affluent family when the man passed away. Widows were sometimes not able to gain access to the family property after their husbands died. So when the man died, the widow lost everything. Widows and orphans were people who suffered significantly in the first century and were used in examples when discussing the need for compassion. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it states, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The widow in this parable represents those without agency who must appeal to certain self-centered authority figures for assistance. Of course, the only recourse for this widow is to continually go before the judge until she gives, he gives her the support that she needs. Jesus tells us in the parable that the woman is relentless. She goes to the judge over and over and over again until he finally grants her justice. Through her persistence, she convinces the judge to take action. And although he doesn't fear God or respect people, he addresses her issue because he, she was wearing him out. He wasn't thinking about a future time when he would have to face God and answer or account for his actions. And he didn't really care about relieving the widow's suffering. 
He was only concerned about resolving his own personal frustration of dealing with the widow. Jesus concludes the parable with the following message. Listen to what the unjust, unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? If we can imagine an ungodly man who has no regard for people granting justice to a powerless widow in need because of his own personal desire to be relieved of her persistent request, how do you think God will respond to petitions for justice? The God of the universe, who is the author of righteousness and source of love and creation, will undoubtedly grant justice to those who cry out to him day and night. We would considerably, work. could we possibly wear out God? No, we could not wear out God. But Christ encourages us to persistently pray and expect to receive relief from the injustices when we ask God for help. Admittedly, the justices that take place in our lives happen on many fronts. And it sometimes seems to come quite slowly. When we talk about addressing injustices, we often speak of a losing or long arc of justice rather than a short, direct path. And the source of injustice seems to make a significant difference when you think about it. Now, when we're mistreated by our neighbor, whether someone steals from us or injures us, we can identify a particular culprit and quickly seek justice. This is an injustice borne by an individual or a group that commits what we would agree maybe is a crime. However, there's an injustice that is borne by society sometimes, and relief may seem to take much longer. As we've seen regarding issues like racism and gender inequality over the last decades, it has taken generations to begin to understand the extent to which people have been wronged or mistreated. Behaviors today that are considered intolerable were commonplace a few decades ago, and nobody thought much about it. Addressing societal issues of injustice take much longer because the culprit is an attitude. It's not necessarily a person, but it's a perspective rather than an individual. We sometimes try to lay blame on individuals but really, the problem lies in perspectives. Consequently, it's sometimes much more difficult to identify and address societal injustices within a community compared to pointing to a particular person who just injured you physically or stole from you. And then there they are, the injustices where there is really no one to blame. I mean, actually, I'm labeling them injustices, but it's really a matter of faith. These are the events that happen in our lives that take away loved ones or cause us to lose our quality of life or limit our time here on earth. These are natural disasters, diseases, or accidents that happen where we have nobody to point to and blame. Sometimes we default to God. The unexpected death of a young, seemingly healthy mother during childbirth 
Or the mudslide that buried a family living in a remote region of South America are examples of situations that do not seem fair. How do we seek justice for that? I think the way to seek justice is the same for all the situations that we've talked about through prayer and faith. Of course, there are practical steps to take when you're treated unfairly by another person or by society, but it's most obvious for the case where there is nowhere else to go but to God. Prayer is the only reasonable path to take. Persistent prayer opens possibilities where solutions may come in unexpected ways, where the arc of justice leads us down unexpected paths that can give us a much better situation than we started with. This is usually more noticeable when we look in the rearview mirror, considering what's happened over our lives. We have limited vision of the future, kind of fumbling our way forward, so we can't be sure where we'll end up. But when we look and we trust in God and allow God's Spirit to lead us down a path that God prepares for us, we can look over that path that God has laid out and see how we are blessed and how we have been blessed. The unstated promise in this parable is that we're heard. We're not alone. And the stated promise from Jesus in the parable is that God will act. Jesus poses a challenge to us at the end of this parable. He asks, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? One way of considering this question is to ask if there will be gratitude in our hearts for the justice God has granted us over the course of our lives. Will we take the blessings that we've been given for granted? Or will we recognize where the source of our love and our being comes from? Will we acknowledge the effort that has been made to build a greater relationship with God through Christ and the Holy Spirit? Or will we assume that it was only chance or luck or self-determination or a combination of those that led to where we are today? I invite you today to consider how your life has been guided by issues of justice. Give thanks to God for the blessings that you have received and be persistent in your prayers for justice so that we all might help each other reveal the kingdom of heaven that is here on earth.